There's only one way you could head back toward Earth. That's just to spiral in and then head for water. Your spacecraft was found intact 46 miles from where you were launched. Intact, Bob, on the ground. There was no evidence of any damage, not even a dent. Now, somehow, some way, you brought that spacecraft in and you landed her. Tell me how. Would you please explain to me how you performed an absolutely impossible act? Come on, we're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And, uh, you know, we are, we're, we're practicing uh, proper social distancing. Like, uh, uh, Terry is away from me. I, I, I have, I have forgotten what his face looks like at this point. Um, I just, it's like, it's like when you look into the sun and you like, you know, you look straight into like an eclipse and it just kind of, there's the, the silhouette burned in your eyes, but I can't get details. So I, I remember the shape that is Terry. I can't remember like, you know, his beautiful face right now. It's been bad. I, I, things are pretty bad right now. Well, Paul, I think I'm slowly turning into a Morlock. So <laughs> I think we all are. Um, yeah. Uh, so we were like, we're, you know, in this weird place. Uh, first, I want to say thanks again to Trevor uh, last week. He was a lot of fun having the show talking about no time like the past. Uh, you know, it was good. It was a fun conversation and he brought a lot of knowledge to the table, made us sound respectable because uh, we normally aren't. So I just want to say thanks again to him for coming on the show. But yeah, um, it is. We're in some weird times. I think, did I mention it last week? I don't know. Time, time is now a blur. No, like, I feel like if, 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 if there was a mood, it would be the Salvador Dali, like melting clocks right now. I think that's where we're all at of like, I don't know, maybe, um, did I mention last week there was all the memes popping up where it's like, Oh, when we set our clocks back, we didn't, you know, we didn't think we're setting it back to the twilight zone. And I'm like, that's kind of bullshit because that implies like, yeah, it's a weird time we're in. But that I feel like that discredits the Twilight Zone because it usually gets a lot weirder than what we're dealing with, you know. Like you know, just we're, the Twilight Zone that we're in. This reality is we stay indoors and watch media and talk about it and try not to get people sick, like as a social responsibility. That seems kind of like a weak sauce Twilight Zone to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that too many people that would say that statement have really watched the Twilight Zone, and I beg them to, because <laughs> that would definitely throw them for a trip at that point. Yeah, and I I mean, and again, uh, right now, if people have been taking advantage of the CBS All Access 30-day free trial, I feel like I'm being sponsored by them, and I'm not. Uh, you know, you got season four of Twilight Zone there, you got the, you know, the, the rest of the series, and you got the Jordan Peele stuff. So, yes, please watch it. There's good stuff there. Um, so speaking of stuff that may or may not be good, this episode, the parallel season four, episode 11, 
Uh, yeah, um, we're, we're going to get into this one, everybody. Uh, tuck in. Uh, it is, uh, air date was uh, March 14th, 1963. Uh, number one film was How the West Was Won. Number one song, Walk Like a Man uh, by the Four Seasons. Um, day and date, I had something from the 13th. Um, Ernesto Miranda, a 22-year-old warehouse employee, was arrested in Phoenix, Arizona on suspicion of rape and subsequently convicted based upon statements that he made to the police without being advised of his constitutional right not to incriminate himself. He would fight the conviction in the Supreme Court uh, leading to the landmark case in 66 called uh, Miranda versus Arizona. His name lives on in the name of the instructions that all police are required to give to persons arrested, beginning with you have the right to remain silent, referred to as the Miranda rights. Crazy. That is crazy. I never actually knew the the back the backstory of the Miranda rights, and that's uh that's really it's it's good to watch or I'm sorry to learn something like that, and know the roots of it because it is so ingrained into the the the, the justice system now. Well, that that didn't it's, it's just something that we grew up with, so it's been a constant. So I never questioned it, and it's always like that plot hook, like on Law and Order, where it's like, "Did you read him as Miranda rights? He's a free man, though he ate somebody in front of an officer." You know, like what? You know, like that always is. That's always the technicality is the Miranda rights, but I didn't know when that took place, and this uh, the series of events that would lead to it would happen the day before this episode aired crazy I, I i didn't even catch that one either unfortunately i didn't have any notes that i had found from the the week this this episode aired i couldn't find anything it was really kind of like a i don't know a lost week there was so much information in these last couple weeks but then when i looked in something anything i couldn't find anything not even like births yeah. that were interesting either there was there was a, a bit of of trivia and by trivia it's that's not even the right way to frame it where we talked previously about the gun that would be responsible for shooting kennedy was was actually shipped to the sporting goods store in like chicago there was trivia that this this week that uh oswald actually placed the mail order with that company to get the gun so there there's a very intricate timeline of where this gun was at this time and i'm like eh, we've already talked about that and you know, there's going to be other things coming up and we know what happens in November. So I just didn't necessarily want to shine a light on that again, though. I just did now. So shame on me. Um, but yeah, that was about all I found, but I thought that was an interesting footnote. Yeah, definitely. I, especially because, uh, so much true crime stuff that's popular right now. I think that's a really cool little tidbit for people to know. Yeah. So, um, all right, so let's just move on to our, our cast and crew here. This was written by Rod Serling. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He used to smoke a lot. Um, directed by Alan Crossland Jr., uh, a name I was not familiar with. This is his first of four Twilight Zone episodes he would direct. Um, a lot, like a lot of television. Like this is one of his early outings that he had directing, and he would do three more Twilight Zone, but he did a ton of TV, and that's about all I got out of it. But again, you know, TV directing is different than films, right? Like there's a rapid turnaround, um, you know, you still try to, you know, get the story across, you know, it's very, uh, perfunctory, but if you're, if you're good at it, it's good, constant work. And this guy did a lot of it. Yeah. It seems like from all the things that I had seen that he had done, um, that the twilight zone might've been the most, uh, I don't know, like, uh, pressing for him because, you know, all the other formats are 22 minutes, 25 minutes. And then these were 51 minute episodes. So it seems like this was the closest thing to movies that I had seen that he had done in the, the hour, almost hour long format. Yeah. I just, if there was, 
again, I, I hate watering down uh, someone's life's work and to be like, yeah, they did TV. It's it, But like I, when I scanned through what he did, like nothing really stood out to me, not because it wasn't good or important. It's just that I don't have that touch point with it. So I don't want to diminish his body of work because how many episodes of television have I directed? Three, and we'll never talk about them. That's not true. Um, but again, like at least we'll maybe hopefully going forward, we'll get a little bit more sense of his, his style. Cause there, you know, this, this episode was, it was very workmanlike and that, that's, you know, again, when we get to it, I don't put that at the hands of the director. I'm going to put this one solely on Serling. There's only so many ways you can skin this cat. And, um, I don't have a good barometer for, uh, Mr. Croslin as a director from this one. Yeah, I agree with that, too. We'll see because the other three episodes are actually in the fourth season, too. So oh, we'll good. see soon yeah. enough. <laughs> Considering that this is a 11 of 19, I guess we will uh, we will uh, Crosland will uh, burn bright and quick. Right. <laughs> and then we'll be on right. our way. Um, all right. So, yeah, Terry, since I know you like saying names of people and everything, tell tell us about our cast here. Oh, geez. All right. So um, continuing on, we have Steve Forrest. I can pronounce that one. Uh, he he uh, plays well, it's just the name uh, Steve. It's not that bad. But. Yeah. So Steve, <laughs> uh, he plays uh, Major Robert Gaines. Um, he was this was his only episode of Twilight Zone, but he was in uh, 30 episodes of some show called The Baron. I don't know it, but hey, that's pretty extensive. Um, and then Night Gallery. Outside of that, I didn't recognize anything else that he was in. Yeah, so we talked about this last week briefly. He was the brother of the lead actor from the last episode, so that's cool. Um, uh, and only twice his own appearance, like we said. He was, you, know, you said Night Gallery. Uh, the one thing I noted here was 1981's Mommy, Mommy Dearest, uh, which is a film that my mom watched a lot when I was growing up, so it really uh, it screwed me up because I didn't quite understand what was going on. It, I don't. Are you familiar with the film Mommy Dearest or no? I am, and I'm very surprised that I did not notice that. I actually like that movie a lot. It's one of those films that I grew up watching. My mom, my grandma was really strange and liked a lot of really graphic movies and really serious movies, and that was one she loved watching. Well, and it's it's about like the abusive upbringing of Joan Crawford. So, considering Joan Crawford was like a megastar, that would make sense to me that this kind of salacious story would be something that people would gravitate towards and watch. Um, but yeah, like I, I have not seen this movie as a grown up. I just like, wasn't there like a, like a wire hanger that was used for like punishment or something? If I remember right, it was, or am I getting that in Sybil mixed up? Those were the two movies my no, mom no, no, watched no, a lot. Yeah, you're correct. It, that's where the no, no more wire hangers, uh, line comes from. And she beats her, her daughter with the wire hanger. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's a, that's a fun thought that we have there. So I'm, I'm glad that we're keeping a positive here on, um, on strange highways where we talked about Miranda rights and now getting beat with a hanger. So yeah, good, good on us. I'm just surprised that I don't have like a weird animal death. I mean, a person dying to an animal or a weird helicopter accident in this episode, um, somewhere, but I do not. So, uh, yeah, that's all I had for, uh, for our lead here, Steve Forrest. Yeah, there's always next week, Paul, so don't feel too discouraged. That's true. I'm always hoping for I don't know I don't know if anything will ever top the the guy walking out of a helicopter turning the wrong way and getting partially decapitated by the prop. Um, like the rear of the helicopter. So I don't know if something's ever gonna to top that, but I'm just I'm crossing my fingers, you know. That's not the right thing to say. But please continue. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um anyways, uh so moving on, we have Jacqueline Scott. She plays Helen Gaines. Um, again, only episode of Twilight Zone. 
Um, she was in Johnny Midnight. Oh, good pull. I didn't even go that far. I, I feel bad. So go ahead. Please. Uh, amazing. Thank you for the Johnny Midnight connection. I appreciate it. Yeah, woo. Uh, I'm finding them more of them nowadays, but uh, I feel like I let all of our uh, our fans down last week when we didn't find anything. So, well, but that's I, okay. I want to believe that you now have like, since you have a lot of free time, that you have like a wall dedicated. That's like a yarn wall that has connections to Johnny Midnight Hawaiian Eye with like string running from everything, and you're going to eventually find that everything's connected. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, it's all going to come back to critters. <laughs> yes, critters. <laughs> I, <laughs> critters is life and uh i, I could do it like I, I know i terry knows this is why i mentioned this uh i went through this whole like like religious awakening a couple years ago on the other show i do invasion of the podcast where the first four critters films i can do the kevin bacon game in six steps and connect most of human history to the critters films and i'm not that far off with that statement <laughs> every it's weird how like you a lot of people's careers intersected with critters. Um, I, I didn't do a critters connection for this episode, but it probably is there. Yeah. It, it, I'm sure like through more information and more research, we could probably find it. I mean, even one of the episodes earlier this season that we covered, there was a guy who was in critters too. So there you go. Critters is life. Yeah. So, and, and she was also in duel. She was in duel. Stephen King film. So. No, no, the Spielberg, Spielberg's first film. His sorry, for Steven TV, Spielberg. Yeah. And that was written by Richard Matheson. So that's another Twilight Zone connection. Um, and Dennis Weaver was in that, who was in the Twilight Zone previously. So a lot of connections. She was also in, uh, this is just, this is a weird pull, uh, 1977's Telephon, uh, which we had watched for um, the show because that's the Charles Bronson film where like sleepers, uh, Russian agents were in America being woken up by phone calls and he had to go figure out what was going on. Donald Pleasant's in it. It's, it sounds way more badass than it is. The movie's kind of a dud, uh, but we kept finding connections to telephone. So we watched it for the show. So we actually have an episode of strange highways about a Charles Bronson, like political type thriller called telephone. Uh, so there's our connection there. So yeah. I never thought I'd ever talk about that film ever again. Cool. Um, and then uh, I have that she was also in Empire of the Ants, which is a really fun uh, giant ant movie. Uh, if you if you get a chance, check it out. It's really goofy and really fun. Perfect. Uh, what isn't um, Charlton Heston in that? No, it's not Charlton. I Heston. That's no, I don't right. believe so. This this was like a seventies film. It oh. was it, not very good, <laughs> but it's oh. it's fun. Yeah. Why would I think that? I don't know, but just him just yelling at ants the entire time. That'd be amazing. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, Jacqueline Scott, that, uh, yeah. dual telephone and that's about it. And, and, and ants. There you go. That's the three things. Yeah. Empire, um, empire of the ants. But, yeah. uh, yeah. So then moving on, we have, uh, this one's going to get me Paul. So it's uh Frank Alter. No, I think, I think it's a letter. Alter. Uh, Alter. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's Alter Frank Alter or a letter. I don't know. Frank. <laughs> it's a name. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So he plays uh, Colonel Williams. Uh, Conacher. Con- yeah. yeah, it's Conacher. That's I remember her saying Conacher. that when she when the wife picked up the phone. So it's Conacher. It's a dumb name. Yeah, that was one I had to rewatch the episode <laughs> just to hear that damn name. I was like, "What is that name?" Uh, Colonel William Conchell. That's what his name is. No. Um, yeah. Continue, please. So only uh, only episode of Twilight Zone again, uh, and then he was in. This is a really creepy connection because as soon as I read this, I was like, oh, God, I have nightmares about this show. 
the banana splits adventure hour. Do you remember that? I never saw it. I know what it is. And I know that there is that, that horror film that just came out. That's the banana splits movie that people have been divided on. Um, which, you know, they kind of made it as like, what if Chuck E. Cheese came to life and killed people? Yeah, this was a creepy ass show. He was on like 10 episodes of it and like, it is nightmare inducing. So, but of course all like giant puppet, um, or like, fuzzy whatever you want to call them uh college mascot outfits it's all creepy to me i don't like it i you even when i go to chick-fil-a and there's the person in the cow suit i need to be like in another room i need to take it to go because <laughs> it creeps me out so like if you went to an indians baseball game and slider happened to be around you just you would be done you're like i can't handle this as long as he doesn't interact with me i'm fine with it the cow tried to interact with me while i was at chick-fil-a and i was like get the hell away from me <laughs> um yeah so mascots don't bother me a whole lot uh i know like 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 my wife is like she is enamored with animatronics so she'll they're like i know the banana splits you're right it's people in suits but she also uh do you do you know the rock fire explosion that was the band that was in not chuck e cheese but it was the other one showbiz pizza that was the band like the animatronic band and that like there's a whole documentary about a guy reclaim like finding the rock of fire explosion. And like, he goes and reprograms it and makes him play all sorts of weird music. Like she thinks this stuff's interesting. The animatronic stuff is creepier to me, especially when you see it without the fur. It's, you know, it's Skynet to me. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't want to see them with the fur on, but you take the fur off and it's even that much creepier. It's like, dude, just put the fur back on and put them back in the closet. I don't want to see them <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, what I have for, uh, uh, Frank, a letter. Uh, so here, here's a connection that I never thought I'd see coming. He played Harry, a bigamist, which that's a callback to printer's devil, uh, with six wives to whom Blanche is engaged to in the pilot episode of the golden girls. I remember this episode. I have all the seasons of golden girls. No lie. Okay. I mean, I don't know if you're waiting for me to, uh, you know, like judge you. I think, I think the golden girls is a lot of fun. I am starting to wonder if it's kind of like moved into that part of fandom where like, it's like ironic to like them as opposed to it's an actual funny show with good writing, you know, like I, I don't know, man. Like I, I, it's weird that I will, I will judge people's loves of things where it's like, are you, are you like, loving this because you're in on the joke. Like you think you're in on a joke or is it because you honestly like this. And I feel like the golden girls has kind of wandered into not, not the property, but people's, um, affection for it. You know, I, maybe I'm wrong. It, it has kind of grown to a proportion now where I don't really get it. I mean, that show aired in 1989 mm-hmm. and now we got like tiki cups and board games and, pop figures and i just don't understand that aspect of it. it it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever i mean the show was made for women in their 40s and on like if you watch the show and you hear some of the jokes and the references that they make i'm 36 years old i grew up watching this show i have no idea who the hell they're talking about or what <laughs> references they're making well, it's, I just feel like, where's the love for Empty Nest, which was, I think, the Golden Girls spinoff? Like, where, where's the love for that? You know, like, um, I, I, or Bod. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, that was, um, that was, I think that was before, but that was B. Arthur, right? So, yeah. Like, just, 
I, I don't know. I, I, it just feels like it's an easy call to like now, like there's just, I, again, I, maybe like I shouldn't, I shouldn't judge that this thing has gotten like additional legs. Cause you know, everybody in that show is great. Uh, it's just a weird thing. We're in a weird spot. Like, like where is, where is the, the, the night court fandom out there? That's, that's what I want to know. Like I love night court and you don't see like, uh, you know, <laughs> the same thing. I just, I, that, that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to mention that I get a little frustrated sometimes where it's like that, like, like, um, I know, I think you and I have, have talked about, um, I like the big bang theory and how I feel like reference sometimes is in place of actual comedy. And I worry that like some of these, like, you know, people loving these things are a replacement for honest to goodness appreciation. That's where I'm at with that. So I get, yeah, there's bigger fish to fry in this world right now. We're all like in lockdown because of like, you know, a disease that could kill some of us. And I hear I am bitching about like people liking things, but it's still, it's still frustrating to me sometimes. Yeah. I, I don't think that, um, you know, making the callbacks is really all that great of writing, but I think that they've found their, their niche when it comes to the audience and they're like, Hey, you're still within a, an age that you can remember all of these things. So we're going to make all of these references and you're going to think it's cool or, or it's funny. Yeah. But I mean, I, don't, I, I, I can, I can be a part of that kind of subject matter for a little bit, but at the same point, I still want good writing. Yeah. Where, where is the, the, the upswell of love for mama's family? Yeah, that's what I want to know. You know, like it's, I feel like those are you know not too far away from each other, but all right, neither here nor there. Um, let's move on before I just get completely derailed bitching about fandoms, please. Well, who do we have next? Uh, so, uh, Paul Kami or Kami, a Komi, uh, Komi, I don't know. Com- Kama man. Yeah, he plays know. a psychiatrist. <laughs> he plays a psychiatrist. Um, he was in two other episodes of the twilight zone. He was in the people alike. People are alike all over mm-hmm. and the odyssey of flight 33. Yeah. Uh, people are like all over. He was, um, moccasin. That was his, his name. And he was the other, the other initial lead against, uh, Roddy McDowell. I think, um, that was, that was an okay episode. Uh, the odyssey of flight 33 is just kind of there. Uh, we talked about that actually last week. So yeah. And he's also in Howard the duck. Just want to mention that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that he was in that of uh, which that's pretty sweet. And, uh, he was in Cape fear and oh. death wish Two. death wish Two. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh uh, yeah. All right. I, that's, that's, these names are sounding familiar now. This, I, here I am. I was like, yeah, I watched telephone with Tra- Chuck Bronson and I didn't remember death wish. All right. Shame on me. Uh, and then, uh, next we have Sherry Lee, uh, Bernanth. She yeah. plays Maggie Gaines, the, the daughter. Um, this was her only episode of twilight zone and I didn't see anything that I was familiar with. She didn't have a very long career as far as acting. No, she went from uh 58 to 73. So she was relatively young, 24 total credits. So yeah, that's about it. So, and then, uh, on we go. So it's, a uh, Morgan Jones, uh, plays, uh, the captain. That that's pretty much all I have. It's captain. Uh, one of <laughs> I, I love how IMDB just puts like the man or the captain or neighbor. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's all it is. So this is a second of two Twilight Zone appearances. He was uh, a cop in uh will the real Martian please stand up, which it was one of the last episodes of season two. If I remember right. Second to last episode, if I recall, uh, he was born in Wooster, Ohio. So I just want to point that out. Woot. There. Yeah. Woot for Wooster. And that's about all I got for him. 
Uh, he was in also he was in Forbidden Planet and Star Trek. Oh, one episode. And then uh, we have uh, William Sergeant. 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 Uh, I think I, I think it's um, how you pronounce it. I, mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, that sounds good enough. You're better at reading than I am. No, so. <laughs> if you look at some of the notes, because I, I always write my notes in like a text document, and there are some horrible, horrible typos. So, um, yeah, I like the one guy with the last name that's actually a rank. He's not you know, given a rank title. He's the project manager, and that's all I got for his name uh, on IMDb. Yeah, and he was in one other episode, and that was uh, Autonomy of a uh, Patrol. Um, I think it's coming up. So this is his first. I have not seen the other one that we uh, that he's been in. Uh, I just want to point out, just to keep the streak alive, he was in 1962's Hitler. And there's no explanation point. I just want to put it on there. So there's more uh, more Hitler connections, which is something I never thought I would say in a sentence uh, with anything. So yeah, and uh, he was he did some of the Alfred Hitchcock hour and an uh, episode of Star Trek, and then he was in the 74 version of Shazam. The, that TV show that that was short lived for them. Oh yeah, I, I'm not. I, I know what you're talking about. I'm not that familiar with it because there's a lot of weird, like late '60s, early '70s, like superhero stuff that's not great. Um, but that would not surprise me that he would be like again. It's a paycheck, so you know, I, I would. I would right. Be in that, yeah. yeah. I mean, outside of really the the movie coming out more recently, I I think that's one of those lesser known characters for comic book character movies and all that but you know considering dc is really trying their hardest to catch up with uh marvel um they put that out too so well so here here i'm gonna blow your mind you probably already know this though shazam isn't actually that character's name originally his name was captain marvel uh and what had happened was uh there was an issue where they like they lost like the character rights for like a minute, and when that happened, Marvel stepped in and took the name Captain Marvel, so they had to rename him to Shazam. So it's weird that he, you know, there's two Captain Marvels, and it was also weird that in the same summer release schedule we had two Captain Marvel films. Um, but it's just one of those weird moments where that's what he was known as, and then but they had to change the name because of rights. Yeah, I always found that to be an interesting fact. I was pointing that out to one of my coworkers who was watching the movie uh, recently. I was like, "Yeah, you know this, blah blah blah." He's like, "Really?" I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> so it's it's a, it's interesting. I like how uh, Marvel was like, "Dude, we want that name. Jump on it. Jump on it." You know? <laughs> and even even I'll even give credit to Marvel. In a recent uh, arc of the Captain Marvel comic, they showed like this, like, you know, multiverse of different Captain Marvels. And they did like a, a panel, like of all these different, like, you know, you'd see the figures, but there was one that was just of like, just a partial of the body. And you could tell by the design that it was implying Shazam was in there too. It was kind of a nod. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but anytime I say the word Shazam, I think of Gomer Pyle. I don't know if you think of that where it's like Shazam. Like I always think of that. And I just, that doesn't make it sound very like, heroic to me you know so that's another right show that doesn't get very much love either where's yeah. the gomer pile love right where's the gomer pile fandom golly yeah. that's what i gotta say about that <laughs> <laughs> exactly so and then um next we have philip abbott uh he plays general stanley eaton uh, one other twilight zone episode and it was the long distance call 
Yeah, he was the father in that. Long Distance Call was one of the six videotaped episodes. I was not so much a fan of that episode, but you guys can go back and listen to the thoughts on that. There was some debate about the um, the overall quality of the episode. He was the father. At the end, he was on the phone talking to his uh, deceased mother, supposedly, like on this toy phone, telling her to leave his son alone and saying that, you know, he's still a kid. He hasn't even worn, he hasn't even gotten his long pants yet, which was a great line, but it was also spoken emotionally. So you can't judge him, but it was just weird. <laughs> um, and he was also the voice of Nick Fury in the 1990s Iron Man cartoon. Yeah, I had that too. That's pretty interesting. Um, uh, it wasn't very many episodes, but yeah, he did. He did the voice for that. And, I had him for um, one episode of Monsters, that uh, anthology horror film or horror uh, Which series. We need to cover something of Monsters at some point because that's a fun show. It is. I I, I've, I haven't seen very many of them, but it, it's very, very fun. Yeah, and I think, the, I think there's three seasons available on Amazon Prime. There might have only been three seasons, but I'd love to cover some Monsters. Yeah, So, and then that's all I have for cast. So the last one I have here was Fred Crane, who was the news anchorman that, that you saw briefly, like talking about like something happened with the the, the shuttle landing or whatever. Uh, his only Twilight Zone appearance, it's uncredited. He only had nine credits total, but the only reason I would have mentioned him is because his first credit was with Gone with the Wind. So it's like, holy shit, like if you're going to only have nine credits and your first one's Gone with the Wind, that's pretty good. You know, like, I feel like that's the kind of guy that would just be at the parties and be like, hey, hey, Fred, like, weren't you an actor? He's like, yeah, it's like, well, did you, what did you do? He's like, I dabbled, gone with the wind. Like, well, how do you top that? You know, like, yeah. I, I feel Mike like that's, drop. that's a power move, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I was smacked in the face by one of Clark Gable's ears that happened on set, you know, like, it's just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's your cast and crew, uh, there, you know, so I'm, I'm, there were some fun connections there. So, uh, yeah, let's just get to, um, this early intro here for the parallel. In the vernacular of space, this is T minus one hour, 60 minutes before a human being named major Robert Gaines is lifted off from the mother earth and rocketed into the sky farther and longer than any man ahead of him. Call this one one of the first faltering steps of man to sever the umbilical cord of gravity and stretch out a fingertip toward an unknown. Shortly, we'll join this astronaut named Gaines and embark on an adventure because the environs overhead, the stars, the sky, the infinite space are all part of a vast question mark known as the Twilight Zone. So, Terry, I'm going to put this on you right now. I know that we we usually deep dive and go into like the minutia of the episodes and talk about it plot point by plot point. What is here in this episode to get so deep into? That's I'm just going to throw it out right now. What what really happened here for an hour? What happened this episode? It just seemed like it was so dialogue driven that there wasn't much to be captivated by to have it on a, sh- like on a TV show. I mean, if you could have put this on the radio, it would have been just fine. Like I didn't, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to front solve it. <laughs> I didn't care for this episode. <laughs> I was extremely bored by it. And it, considering some of the episodes that we've seen in this season already, this is one of my least favorites. Well, um, I'm just going to throw us out here. It's one of my least favorites of the entire run so far. And that, uh, you know, 
that speaks volumes because there were some rough landings in season three when there were just a lot of things were going on there. I mean, it's not the worst episode. It's no, um, you know, uh, uh, was it Hocus Pocus and Frisbee? It's no uh, four o'clock. Um, there's, there's things there, right? So, um, do you have any specific moments in the episode that you want to talk about? Because we can, we could, the plot's real. This is probably the most like inconsequential episode of the twilight zone I have ever seen. Like it is there, there, the idea is more interesting than what we saw. And you, I mean, you know me, I don't want to punch down. I don't really want to tear apart when we could have conversation. Even, even some of the bad episodes have things to talk about watching this a second time. I realized how much there isn't here. There's so much nothing in this episode. It's frustrating. Yeah. And if it, if it wasn't for um, the conversations and all that, you wouldn't really understand what the hell the problem is. I was like, I think if there was something visual going on, like maybe the guy had, you know, a different nose or like his skin started to flake off and then, like it was like it turned into more of a sci-fi deep deep sci-fi uh idea like kind of like the fly cronenberg's the fly where he's slowly changing and you know that whatever he has endured has changed him physically or the people around him have something different going on and he hasn't seen it yet that would have been that would have been way cooler there would have been something to really grab onto this was just like wait, so it wasn't Kennedy that's a president? It's a different guy? <laughs> so, okay. If, if people, I know sometimes people like to listen to a podcast and not actually watch the content of an episode. Um, and I, I am guilty of this for a lot of shows that I listen to. I just, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of people out there. I believe that can present the context of the story that if I have interest in something, I'll check it out. Otherwise I'm just more interested in their con their take on things. So this might be one of the situations where if someone hasn't seen the episode, um, they want us to walk through the story. That's fine. And I, I can do that where basically here, here is your story. And if I get anything wrong, Terry, stop me and correct me. And I'm I, here. It, it, we have an astronaut, Robert Gaines that goes up in the space to orbit like for a week that's like breaking records, blah, 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 blah. But when he's up there on the 15th orbit, there's a distortion or something that happens where, uh, he's, he disappears off of radars and he can't talk to mission control, but then he wakes up uh, in a hospital bed and they're like, Hey, your pod is 46 miles away from here. Not a scratch on it. What happened? And he's like, cause they're basically they're saying, if you're going to land on earth, you're going to land in water. Cause this, 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 um, vessel is not capable of like its own landing like perfectly, but you did. And he's like, I don't know. I blacked out. Then you have this whole thing where he goes home and there's just little bits that aren't right. Like he sees a fence in front of his house. Uh, his, uh, you know, the, the, the call to his wife that supposedly happened didn't happen. Uh, he finds out that he's now a Colonel as opposed to a major. Uh, his daughter is upset that he doesn't want sugar in his coffee. Like there it's all these weird little small things. And he goes and finds an encyclopedia. He's like, history didn't happen this way. This is how it happened. Like I get it. These are all seismic in real life, but from the viewpoint of a TV show, it is like, well, close enough. Like, aren't you still in a happy relationship? Aren't you still like, you got a promotion? Like, I don't know. Seems like he kind of got ahead there. That's, that's, that's where I feel like that happened. Other than the fact that his wife 
the the episode does an okay job of showing that when they have a kiss, she feels like she's kissing a stranger and the daughter feels like she doesn't know him. There's and that works to a degree, but it's so minor that everything just feels just like I, I don't know, there's no tension there. And that was just frustrating with the episode. And and those minor things that they're showing as a viewer, you're like, that's it. Like when it, when they embrace and they kiss in the bedroom, it, it's just like this anticlimactic thing where it's like, okay, so she gives him a weird look and kind of scampers away. No conversation, just the embrace. But you're supposed to get that as a viewer. So I mean, I understand yeah. the visual, like uncomfortable look on her face, kind of is supposed to convey that. It didn't sell it enough for me. So. Um, the only note I had from reading about, like other than there's, there was some problems with the script. No shit. Uh, the, the director was trying, he said that they, because of censorship and things, they couldn't do some of the ideas they had, but they were trying to imply that when Helen goes to kiss Robert, that because he's in this oh, in the spoiler, it's a parallel world, but that's the other thing too. Why would you call your episode this and give away the game from the jump when you could have called the episode, the 15th orbit and let people wondering what happened? Cause that's what they talked about. He disappeared in the 15th orbit. I feel like that would have been a brighter title, but Hey, I'm not Rod Serling. Um, but when she goes to kiss him initially in this, like this parallel universe, if you go back and watch it, she, she grabs his, like his face. Like it's almost like not, not claw. Like, I don't know how to, it's like, like it's just, she, she embraces his face a little odd, almost like, if you imagine her fingers being like the edge of a face hugger, like the way she claps, claps his face to kiss him. And then he doesn't do the same thing to her. And then that throws the whole thing off. The director said they were trying to do something subtle that if you didn't, if you didn't notice, you wouldn't see it, but he was trying to imply that intimacy works a little different there. And I can respect that, but because they couldn't get it over the finish line, like they wanted to, it doesn't, unless you're actively paying attention to it and know that was the intent, you would never notice it. And there's a difference between being subtle where the audience would be like, oh, versus you never communicated that well. And I don't, I get that they were trying. And on the second watch, after knowing that, I saw it plan as day, but it's never made evident and it's never drawn attention to. So, yeah, that's the only like weird moment about why the kiss was weird, because he didn't embrace her the way that I guess was customary for humans in this parallel world. See, and I, I would have never have gotten that, like even on the second viewing, it still fell flat for me. Yeah. And if I'm like, if I'm the weekly viewer back in the sixties, I don't think anybody would have been that drawn into that moment i mean we're talking about an anthology show here they don't know what the subtleties are for every single episode yeah that has to be for somebody to really understand that yeah no there has to be a certain type of like you have to kind of nod towards the audience like i'll also throw this here too at the beginning of the episode it's like very dark and there's a newspaper being delivered to the, the front of the house um and it's so dark that you don't notice that there's not a fence in front of the house so it's it once you look for it, you notice it's not there, but it's not something that's brought up until Robert comes home and walks into the fence. Like he's like, Oh, what's this gate doing here? I don't have eyes or whatever, right? And then he like stops for a second and tells his wife, like, oh wow, I was up in the own space, you added a fence. And she's like, What are you talking about? We had like we we've had this when we had the house. I honestly thought that the, the bit would have been 
when he goes to open the gate that it opens from the other side. And that would have been to me been like, well, why did you flip the gate? That would have been more interesting to me than saying the lack of fence, you know, that would have shown that the world is a little bit more off, you know, like by, by inches, which to me is infinitely more creepy. You know, that's, Again, your mileage may vary. It's just, unfortunately, I don't think the episode did a really good job of showing. It did a lot of telling, which that's not the best sign of a script. Yeah, and I, it's the subtleties like that, if you were going to go for the subtleties and like try to imply to the audience that this is a different parallel universe and you're going you're gonna to find these, but we're going to spoon feed them to you just, just a little bit so you can get like you can understand it a little bit more the fence okay cool but like you said if it opened from the other side or opened out instead of in it would have made more sense and maybe if she had like a a beauty mark but it's on the other side of her face yeah that would have worked too yeah something right like just something or you know maybe do something more drastic where you find out that they had like a, a first child that didn't make it for various reasons as a kid. So he comes home and he suddenly has like the son that he thought he lost. Like how messed up would that have been to be like, here's the promise of a complete family, but you know, you don't belong. You know, that, that would have been like dark, you know? And I, you know, I, I appreciate subtlety. Don't get me wrong. Like I, sometimes I feel like a lot of storytelling and a lot of films, a lot of TV shows, they always err in the opposite direction of going too far with things where it's like, I get it. Stop hitting me over the head. So I can appreciate subtlety. One of, one of my favorite um, movies that kind of walks the line of like, is or isn't is session nine where um, the entire time you don't know if it's because there's a benevolent spirit, like not benevolent. Um, that's, that sounds good, but like a malevolent spirit is acting in like messing these guys up that are cleaning out asbestos in a sand asylum. Or is it just because of the pressure trying to get the job done in two weeks that walks that line where you can take what you want from it and it doesn't give you everything, which I don't, I don't know if you've seen session nine or not, but, um, if you have, no, you, I, I- I haven't, but that's one that there's a lot of talk about that. And it's, uh, I think it's out of print now too. And there is a lot of people in the horror film community. that have really talked that movie up. It's awesome. Like, you I mean, it's lower budget. You got, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt, just knowing that like they're a little limited, but that is, it's a mind twist where it's like, is this, is this what's going on? Is it not, you know? And like, I can appreciate subtlety. I really can, you know, like, um, even, even like psycho, like you even, you know, like for the most part, like, do you even know, like, is it was, is, is the mother there or not? And like in the final frames, you see what's up, but you know, it's still walking that line, you know? And it's like, that's, and again, I'm comparing two films years apart to just a TV script, but Serling is better than this. And it, it just kills me, you know? And I, you know, I, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to drag this in the mud, but this is just, it is the it is the blandest, most ineffectual episode of Twilight Zone I've ever seen, and I hope I hope this is rock bottom in that instance. I hope this is even even the Earl Hamner episodes. I know you and I watched Jess Bell. Even those those drive me nuts. There's at least something there to latch onto. There is nothing here to latch onto. I wish they would introduce the concept of someone at Mission Control realizing that the lander pod was different earlier on. That would have been. Like at least then there would have been somebody from the outside being like, this guy may not be crazy, you know, but it's introduced so late in the story that like you, we as the audience already are on his side, supposedly that we know something's up, you know, like 
I don't know, man. There's just something about this that just like it just none of it ever really it never got going. And then it just kind of wrapped up in a, you know, like, oh, he came back and he's okay. And his his people think he's crazy, but that all of a sudden they get a radio transmission that they're hearing from, you know, another person called Major Robert, sorry, Colonel Robert. And then they're like, oh, good. We could tell our friend that he's not crazy and that there are parallel universes. We're all okay. This is not going to break our concept of reality. End of show. That, you know, it's right. God damn, man. I, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't come out swinging, but bland to me is almost more offensive than trying and missing horribly. No, it, that's a good point. And I think that what, like what you said, Serling is very capable and he's produced um, concepts that are similar to this in prior episodes that were way more uh, effective. And yeah. like, this just seemed like it was like, if you like a certain band like tool or something like that, this is a filler track. This is like one of those tracks that they didn't really put too much effort into, but it was like a transition. I felt like this concept could have been used way better than this. And it could have been, I don't know, like, or even not even put on the plate. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I asked you before we started recording, like earlier, like a couple of days ago to watch, uh, there's the two episodes, a world of difference, which is from season one, which I don't know if Sterling wrote that one or not. I think he wrote person or persons unknown, which is from season three. Um, I wanted you to watch those as like touch points compared to this one. And I know that they're different stories, but they deal with the same idea of a man like out of reality and trying to adjust to what is what he believes to be real, but not quite. So how did you feel about those two episodes? I know persons or persons unknown gets a little goofy and it has one of the most sudden window jumps in all of twilight zone history. Um, but did you think, I, I think this, this concept has been revisited, sorry, visited previously. And I feel like, um, they were both executed better the first time and second time around versus this one. Yeah, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And, um, as much as I don't think that those were perfect episodes, I think that they really, they caught the, um, the idea way better. And he was able to function in those kinds of like universes a lot better compared to this. It just seemed like this one fell so flat and it was just like so neutral, if anything, while those ones were a lot more captivating and really easier for, uh, you know, the audience to understand. And those were like 24 minute episodes, you know, like world difference at least had an amazing shot in there of like the camera pushing in and ha the, the, the main character thinking that he was in real life and then finding out that he was in a, a film of his life. And it gets weird, but there's an amazing camera work in that episode. And a person or persons unknown has this guy like aware of who he is, but no one else around him seems to remember him. And I feel like these are all shades of the story. And I wanted you to see those two because I know you've not seen them to, I think, to appreciate the a man like adjacent, the man out of frame, which is what this was trying to do. It was trying to like do the thing where if you have the same image, but like they're slightly blurred where you can see everything, but not quite. I get what Sterling was going for. Uh, there's a Stephen Wright joke where he uh, said that, um, someone broke into his house and stole everything and replaced it with the exact copy. Like, and it's, it's a, it's a Stephen Wright joke, but the idea that he came out and he's like, Oh, someone stole all my stuff and replaced it with the exact copy. And he was aware enough to be like, this isn't right. Everything's the same, but not that's this joke, you know? And 
I think you could have built something out of this. It's just, it's just, it's just there and it gets wrapped up and there's no, like this thing could have plotted along for 50 minutes and could have had a dagger of an ending to redeem everything. And it doesn't like you could have done something completely screwed up at the ending. I don't know what you could have done, but it could have been one of those like monumental, like, Oh, we're going to convince you along the way that this is a very milk toast episode, but wait till the ending. And it didn't. And that is very, very frustrating to me. Well, and, and like the, the little thing that they do at the end, I don't know if we really want to give it away. Sure. It just was like lukewarm at best for me. I was like, that's, that's it. That's, they're going to be that your big finish, like, Oh crap. There it is. That um, we verified that there was like another, another Robert out there. And so he was right about there being a parallel world. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. Th- that's it. That's, that's, that's all we got. And, um, you know, uh, his buddy goes back to his hospital room, confirms it, which is done off off uh, screen. And then it shows Gaines go back home and, you know, basically confirms with his daughter. Yeah, it's really daddy. <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's it's just man like normally. I would tell everybody that like, you know, Twilight Zone's worth watching in any fashion. But I mean, if you have to pick and choose, if you have to make a Sophie's choice of this episode or another, pick pick the other one, no matter what it is. Even oh, I don't know. Even the other ones I've hated, at least you can like get through those pretty fast. This one's I'm i I'm sorry, man. Like, this one's just it's just it's just not there. The only only thing I want to mention at one point, whenever he is like going through Encyclopedia Britannica and finding all things wrong with history, which I'm, I'm point, I'm going to make a point about that in a second. He says something to the effect of like the acceptable outer limits of like sanity. I'm like, hey, there's a shout to the outer limits. So congratulations on that. Um, he says that like history's changed in like slight ways, but then street names are the same, people he knows are the same, recollections of most events are the same. It's like. Those two can't go together because if anything, I feel like this is a great bookend to the last episode where it's like, like they mentioned the butterfly effect and then they step on it. This is the same thing where it's like, Oh, well things are all different, but they're the same. It's like, really? I feel like it's funny that there's two brothers that are leads in these episodes where they immediately say one thing and then contradict it. Like it's weird, you know, like if history was so different and Kennedy wasn't the president, then I don't know maybe things would be considerably different. Like what if, um, what if he ended up like, you know, coming back and he had like the, 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 the promotion and rank and everything where it's like, Oh, pretty great. Welcome to, you know, the United States of America of Russia, dun, 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 or something, you know, like anything, anything that would have been significantly different where it, like, it's just, um, there's that episode of the Simpsons Treehouse of terror where Homer inadvertently creates time travel with a toaster. I don't know if you've, you've probably seen that one where he keeps going back in time and screwing things up. And at one point he ends up in a a reality where like everything's the same, except all of them have snake tongues and they just eat like, like snake tonguing food off the plate. And he's like, "Eh, close enough. That's, that's where we're at where he's like, ah, you know, most is not most is different. Like everything's the same except for the snake tongue thing. Good enough. And that's the way the segment ends, you know, like this is where we were at. You know, like if his wife feels that he was different, well, I'm sure that marriage will fall apart, unfortunately, but you know, he's also a colonel in the army. Probably, you know, he's also an astronaut. I think he'll do okay for himself. You know, I don't know. Like weird. Yeah. He definitely could have survived in this world with, with very little problem. It just seemed like because <laughs> yeah. of the subtleties, it just shook his entire uh, foundation of what 
his reality was supposed to be and he couldn't exist in it anymore. I, I just don't I don't find that at all to be like uh enough for me. It just it, there were if there were could have been changes like slight changes in his world that he was like, oh that's weird and then more and more things moved on and progressed in the episode. He notices that while well, they're eating human meat or, you know, like uh, yeah. instead of cow, their burgers are made out of dog, you know, something weird like that. <laughs> he's just, yeah. He's like, oh, I've now moved to Thailand. Like, what? No, that's not right. That's that's not what I'm saying. But, yeah, it would have been like it just would have been something, something like, you know, I don't know, to show that, like, there's a threat other than like, I, I get that the there's that, there's that emotional personal level of like, my wife doesn't know who I am. My daughter is scared of me. Those are all visceral, real things. It's just that we have to talk about it to get there. Cause the episode doesn't do a great job of it. Um, I mean it does, but it, it, there's no weight to it. And like, it's just, man, I just, I wanted this to be something because I remember seeing the preview last week because I've been since if you watch the season four episodes on CBS All Access, they actually have the Sterling um, teaser for the next episode at the, end, at the end of the runtime and they show segments from the episode. And when they preview the parallel, there's the bit where he is in space and you see the bright light and you hear that just just shock of noise. Um that to me was like, well, that's going to be cool. And then we get to the episode, they do that bit and they, they undercut it with like this dramatic music. How much better would it have been just to have that just like white noise and bright light. Like there's times where I feel like the show would be better served if they just pull back, like on terms of some of the production in terms of the music and just like hitting you over the head over and over again. I was stoked. I, I was like, Oh, this is going to be like a hard sci-fi tale. No, nope, but just a guy where things are a little weird. And he went home and that's it. Yeah. Conceptual conceptually, this episode could have been so much more. It could have been so much more interesting because I think that there's enough talk, especially in the sci-fi uh, world of parallel universe universes and where they could go and what can exist. I mean, because uh, like what we view as the normal day, if you spun it on its head and did everything opposite of what, you know, that could be interesting and your mind could wander so far with it. And then while I was expecting something similar to that, especially when it comes to Rod Serling. And then I saw this episode, I was like, want, want, want <laughs> here. Here's how this is. This is my audio feeling about this episode. <sighs> that's how I feel about this episode. It's like, Oh, that's where we're at with that. Um, but yeah, I just, man, like, so, I'm just going to ask you, uh, with the other two episodes I made, I had you watch, not made you watch. What did you think of those two just straight up? Like, what did you think of a world of difference and uh, person or persons unknown? So world of difference was the one where he was the actor, right? Yeah. That uh, see, I, that one was okay. But persons of persons unknown, uh, that one I liked better. I think they did a better job with the concept of like being placed in a different, like, world where no one knows you and like you try to exist in the everyday lifestyle that you were and no one knows who the hell you are i like that idea i think that's a a lot more captivating um that one i enjoyed far more than these two other ones okay that's fair i just i wanted i wanted to give you a baseline for this type of idea explored in the twilight zone 
to show that I like, I didn't want to come out on this one, like guns blazing to be like, I was frustrated to not give you a point of reference of why I was frustrated. Um, but yeah, man, it's just, it is what it is. Like, I'm glad that we've watched it. I'm glad that I've watched all the stuff sequentially. So you can at least you know, appreciate when it existed. And it's just, I, I will put this to squarely at the feet of Rod Serling and, um, you know, he's long gone and who am I, but there's times where it's like, ah, you could have done better. And it's funny that, that, that I felt that way because as I mentioned at the beginning of this season, that the producer, uh, Robert Hirschman, I think it was his first name. He and Serling were like odds, like at times for scripts and Hirschman would say that he feels that like Serling was better than some of the stuff being submitted to him. Um, so if you noticed, which I'm sure you probably didn't because this episode was so like, Oh, that happened. There's a different producer, listed for this episode other than Hirschman. I think he was already removed as producer at this time. Uh, Bert uh, Granite um, was the guy who produced this. Hirschman didn't like the script and he kept like, like pushing it back and starting like, this is not good. We're not going to do this. Hirschman got, you know, pushed out for other, you know, all these reasons. Uh, Bert liked it, but he kept telling Sterling to work on it. So it's like, it just, it got greenlit because he's like, I brought my guy in that I kind of like. And he's like, yeah, it could be better. So they kept like tweaking and tweaking it. And this is where we ended up at. It's still like even other people pushing back against Sterling. This is the best that could come of the story. And that's, that's maddening to me. Yeah, that, that is frustrating. I mean, I think that there are a lot of people that have an idea of how, how kick-ass they can be or like how good of a job they can do, but they still need a voice of reason. I think that everybody needs somebody who's in their corner, not only to encourage what they're doing, but also to pull them back a little bit and be like, Hey, you're doing a shitty job. You might want to take a step back and look at it, you know? And I think that Rod Serling was like his own worst enemy sometimes where it's like, he obviously knows that he was capable of doing very good material but then there wasn't a whole lot of like influence that like that he appreciated that was on the other end of that spectrum yeah so i mean i don't know i just i but it's like i can't i can't say sterling couldn't write long form because he did a lot of stuff for uh, playoffs 90 uh he's written some movies so like he knows how to write for time even when we talked about he's alive which was like i think what the fourth episode of the season where he um or he lives He's alive, but he it's he's alive. I can't remember. He's alive. Uh, I think it's like I keep thinking of it's alive. That's a different thing altogether. Um, where he actually came up with enough like material to make it a feature, right? So like I know he's not incapable of doing this. So yeah, I'm just gonna put this one on um on the scrap pile of episodes that I'm glad I've watched. Um, I don't know if I'm glad I've watched it twice, but I did. And yeah, season four has been a weird animal, and this is one of the ones that I don't think I'll ever come back to. Unless someone, unless I like lose a bet to you later in life where it's like, Hey, if you don't do this, you got to watch uh, the parallel again. I'll be like, all right. And you'll put me in some type of weird, like saw contraption and I'll cut my right arm off to not watch the parallel. Um, that's where I feel like we're at with this, you know, so. I'm going to, I'm going to contribute uh, $5 to the wheel of uh, death on your other podcast <laughs> and you have to watch, watch it. it again. Yeah. Yeah. That no, please don't do that. So, Um, I also just want to point out there was a, there was a line here where uh, he's like, where, uh, the main character was like, there's a doorway up there somewhere. He said that I was like, 
like to some kind of zone of twilight because like the intro is always talking about a doorway. I'm like, Rod, we get it. Like it's weird. Space is weird, you know, but yeah, I don't, and I, I think also maybe I'm a little, um, frustrated with this because I've been watching a lot of star Trek lately. Uh, I've been watching a lot of star Trek discovery and, um, there was a lot of the first season of that, that dealt with the mirror universe, which Terry, I don't know how much star Trek you watch. If you know what the mirror universe is or not. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's the bad guy version of star Trek where you see like the evil Spock and things with the goatee. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I understand. Okay. Yeah. I've, I know briefly about this. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have not watched enough star Trek to, uh, know the details, but I know of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, South Park did it too. Yeah, they did. So, so like there's the mirror universe and they dealt with that in the season one of discovery where it's like, you go to this other world where the Federation isn't there, but there's like, you know, it's like basically this empire of like Terrans, which are humans that, you know, they're just terrible people. And it's like, Oh, you know, that's like the, like a, like a dark mirror, you know, like to, to what's going on. And I felt like, you know, maybe, you know, that could have happened here, but that didn't happen, which I guess is okay to show that there's a world that's unlike, that's like ours, but not quite. And it's not mean, it's just different. I can appreciate that. But if you're going to show me a parallel world, then I need to see some goatees and eye patches, you know, like I need to see scars across eyes. I need to see, you know, people being dicks, you know, like, like, I don't know. That's, you know, that's just me. That that's what, that's what would get me going. And this episode did not. So I feel like we're circling this over and over again, like as if we'd done 15 orbits. Um, but yeah, um, not a great episode, probably the blandest episode of twilight zone that I've seen and hope to ever see, please let this be, let this be the blandest thing that we watch in this season. I'm hoping the next episode is at least, you know, it may not be good, but I hope it's not bland. Yeah. It, this is, this was a rough spot for me too. I, I think that we've cut some bumps in the road uh, up to this point, but this is definitely one that like put us, <laughs> put us right in the, you know, flat tire, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. scenario. Like yeah. traveling <laughs> these strange highways, we really popped a tire and we couldn't move on. Um, like I know even, and when we get to the end of the season, we'll do a wrap up episode. And I know you and I kind of fall differently on the 35th grave grave. I know you didn't like that one as much. At least something happened there. <laughs> like at least something was going on. You know, like this, just whatever. It is what it if, is. If the, yeah, if this is our gauge. Uh, this is <laughs> thirty fathom grave. It's like a badass episode <laughs> comparatively. All right, so yeah, that's that's what I got there. Uh, just because we have to do it because it is tradition here on the show, we're gonna rate this twist for the love of God. We're gonna do it one way or the other. My twist rating is. There was a twist. That's my twist rating. It's a zero. Is it? A, can I have a give a negative one? I've never given a negative one for a twist rating ever on the show. It's just cool. He went to a different world and came back and things were fine. Twist. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, silence. Um, but like, I, I, so for me, like what I thought the episode could be, the twist was, it sucked and I thought it was going to be good. So a five because it sucks so bad. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's some venom, but it's not unfounded. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But like for watching the episode, I really didn't feel like there was any twist. Like I was waiting for something, something to like really hook me and bring me in and watching it, especially the second time. 
I was, it was such a daunting thing for me to do. I was like, for God's sake, let me just remember everything that I need to talk about on the episode. But I'm like, nope, I need to be professional about this and I need to rewatch the episode. <laughs> you need to be professional about this. Um, I, I, well, so I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, a couple of days ago, it just occurred to me that like, I did not want to dig into the minutia of this episode. Cause I feel like there was not much there. And I'm like, I'm going to blindside Terry and be like, yeah, we're not going to get into it a whole lot, which I mean, we've been talking for like a half hour about this. Cause of like, you know, cast and crew took a while. And again, I'm not, I'm not against the cast. I think they did fine. It's just, there was nothing here. I just, I just knew going into this, I, I, I already had the plan to derail it and I figured you were on board for it. So that, yeah. So just letting you know, cards on the table. I just, I never had a plan to actually, to give this thing the, the depth that a lot of other episodes deserve. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, for our audience out there, we, Paul and I, we watch these episodes independently. We take notes independently. We really formulate our own opinions about the episodes. So when we really finally talk about our feelings on the episode, it's when we are on the air now. I mean, we really don't give a chance to uh, figure out how our feelings are and you know what we're going to talk about essentially during the episode. Um, and I, this is a, this is a really nice moment, Paul, because I feel like we are aligned completely on this episode. And I don't know if we've ever been this, um, this like aligned in any other opinion. <laughs> it's, I just, I, I want to believe that like, you know, at some point, like when our backs are against the wall in this, this post-apocalyptic world where uh, toilet paper is now the white gold that runs the economy, there's going to be a bit where it's you and I against the masses and we're going to look at each other. We're going to like like grab each other by the forearm like the the predator, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, like like greeting. And we're going to look at each other yeah. in the eyes and be like, the parallel sucked. And then we're going to go out in a blaze of glory and attack all the people that want our toilet paper. That's what's going to happen. This is going to be – Yeah, I think yeah. – our brotherhood is bound on our hatred for the parallel and how much we hate mushrooms. <laughs> right. You know, that's it. You know, we're going to, we're going to look at each other and be like fun guys, not fungi. And it's kick ass. That's what's going to happen the entire time. So yeah. Um, this episode, let's just move on to the next thing. So I, I have one other bit of trivia for you. I think you'd find funny. So there, we talked about, um, how there's a lot of times where people brought to Serling the idea that he's been plagiarizing. I would argue he's been robbing himself at times, but Hey, the guy was stressed and he would always come up with the core concept to come up with like five different like shades of something. And that's okay. I think that's fine. Um, but someone tried to accuse him of plagiarism for this. It didn't go very far. However, I saw a note here and I, there was a big write up in this in the, the one of the books I had Hugh Hefner wrote to Serling in October 62, with a plot idea that was similar to this. And there was a write up for like his explanation for what his, his story idea would be. I love the idea that the guy behind playboy at the time was like, Hey Rod, I have an idea for you. And they didn't use it. I just, something about that is like this wonderful moment of like, Oh, this guy who was making quote unquote, like classy nudie magazines. Like, Hey, I have an idea for the twilight zone and Rod didn't use it. I thought that was great. I, it just it shows that there's like an error to uh, like the the friends that he wants to be held uh, a company with, 
And I think that he probably looked at that situation. It's like, yeah, I don't want to be associated with the guy who makes nude magazines. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I think this is more like, because the way Kyle, productions ran, they didn't take a lot of like outside solicitation. People would submit things to them. There was only one time to my knowledge. And I, I this is me with my fault of memory where Rod got someone soliciting him an idea that he paid them like pretty much on the spot for. Uh, and that was the episode I shot an arrow in the air, which I did not like. I thought it was kind of garbage, but someone pitched him the idea and he was like, I'll give you 500 bucks and gave him a check and took it right then. He didn't like a lot of outside solicitation because it became, it became thorny. So I don't know if it was just because he wanted to distance himself from Hugh Hefner, but I would love it if, if Hugh Hefner was like, here's my story. And this is going to be more doing like a penthouse letter. What if there was an astronaut being like, dear Sterling, you know, this is true, but I can't believe it happened to me. You know, like I wouldn't believe that where it's like my wife tried grabbing my face like a face hugger and it was sexy as all get out. You know, I was wearing a smoking jacket and I was married to seven wives at the time, you know, <laughs> whatever. I, that whatever the hell that the concept was, it could have been better than this. I imagine at least. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's going to do it uh, for our talk about the, the parallel. Um, I wonder if there's an alternate earth in which this was a better script. That's my joke. I'm going to run with it. Um, so, yeah, it's going to do it for us for this episode. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways Podcast. Uh, you can email us directly at Strange Highways Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can, uh, wherever you find us, rate and review us. Don't judge us on the parallel. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, though. I do feel a little bad that we beat it up, but it is what it is. I got to call as I seize it. And this was not a good one. Um, find us on, um, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, um, Apple podcast, uh, Google music, wherever you find your podcast, please rate and review us. It'd be great. We'd appreciate it. And right now, while everybody's stuck inside, if you want to recommend other podcasts to people, that would be cool because people could just watch this stuff and listen to our commentary. It'd be wonderful. Yeah, there's plenty of information uh, to be had, like for prior seasons and that. Uh, there's plenty of old episodes that you can dive into. Um, you know, share this to a friend. Uh, it, I mean, you're we're all dealing with the same situation. We're looking for content. We're looking for something to keep our interest peaked. And you have the ability to watch Twilight Zone pretty easily. So yeah. share it out. And like I said last week, um, just uh, and I'm not going to yeah, go on too much about this. However, if you guys did watch the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone um, or, or want to watch it through your CBS All Access free trial, they're not sponsoring the show, I promise. Uh, if you go to the Patreon that we'd set up for Strange Highways, uh, there are 10 episodes there of commentary from the first season of the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. If you want it, if you want additional Twilight Zone content and those conversations, um, yeah, it's there. It's free. You just got to click on the links and you can listen to it. I, I took down the paywall. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for something else to do and who isn't right now, that's something you can do. Um, but yeah, uh, next episode that we have, and this one makes me grip my teeth cause I am worried about it called I dream of genie. Uh, a new author joins the ranks of the Twilight Zone crew when John Furia Jr. gives a several stunningly new twist to a classic character in I Dream of Jeannie. Join Howard Morris, Patricia Berry, and Loring Smith as they make their trip into the Twilight Zone. This feels like a comedy episode. Everybody tuck in because those are not always the best. And this feels like this is a revisitation of an idea that's happened two other times in the show. And they were not episodes that I liked a whole lot. So maybe, maybe the third time's a charm. 
Well, your your standards have got to be lowered a little bit now because of <laughs> what we just viewed. That's fair, but um, there was um, you've not seen these episodes, but there's one from season one called Mr. Beavis, and there's one called um, oh, uh, what's it called? It was from season three. It was uh, the one with Carol Burnett, which it was a bummer because I liked her. Um, I, there's two episodes that we're dealing with uh, um, with like guardian angels and like things like that. So we'll see, but, but this episode is not written by Sterling and those other two were. So, um, yeah. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Have a safe week. Everybody, uh, stay indoors, uh, you know, be responsible and, um, yeah, I don't know. Could be worse. You could be forced to watch the parallel over and over again. And that's what I'll say about that. Yeah. Find something good to watch. (laughs) Talk to you guys next week. question go ahead Bob go ahead who's the president of the United States say again would you Bob we don't think we got that say again who is the president of the United States sounds like you're asking who the president is <laughs>